Hey, just a pre-show announcement. Um, like the last episode, this episode, unfortunately, is kind of plagued with a lot of technical difficulties. Um, when, you know, when you're doing these podcasts remotely, the way we do it, um, or the way we do it now, we didn't always do it this way, but the way uh, it just is just a lot of, it opens up a lot of avenues for crap to happen, so... This uh, this episode is actually the second part of the last week's episode, but it's not nearly as uh, plagued with the issues that uh, the last episode was. This one's a little cleaner, uh, but um, I promise you next week, I think we fixed the problem, so we shouldn't have to repeat it again with, uh, with all the glitching and the, um, it seems like Marcel and I are out of sync. Um, as far as the recording goes, not us personally, but this is part of that same conversation because uh, we, you know, usually if we go like a week or two without talking and then we do a podcast, we literally, inside baseball, we literally talk for about sometimes up over an hour before we actually get started on the, on the topics of the podcast. So um, what kind of happened is that like 10 minutes into our conversation, we both kind of forgot we were doing a show, so that's why it's such a weirdly paced episode. This is actually the – this is – I split it up because I figured – I realized our review was so long, so I didn't want it – I wanted it to be its own thing. So uh, this is actually – this episode you hear now is the beginning of that, of that uh, conversation before we had the – um, Justice League conversation. So, um, I'm sorry, I seem to be rambling just before we get on with the rambling, but I just wanted to explain. And, uh, they, um, I had to edit it hard because some of the audio afterwards, this is a particularly long episode, but, um, some of the audio late in the episode really was too corrupted to fix. So I, it has a very abrupt ending. So I apologize for that in advance. Um, Please enjoy the show. Titus or Titus when I had Riggs man I love that dog it was like as an adult I mean it was Claire's dog when I met her mm-hmm. but, you know honestly it was our dog right and then it became my dog and um, um, so when you know that was the first time I you know I was I was an apartment kid growing up so when I that was like the first my first real dog. Yeah, I know. That that I spent every day with. So when he passed, you know, we had him for 13 years. God, that's tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he was, you know, he was a bigger dog, so he wasn't expected to live that long, but he um you know, he he was 13. And uh when he passed away, I was like, I don't ever want another dog. I don't ever want to go through this. And you know, and uh, Heather's dog, 
uh, Maya died. Yeah, Maya. But but she wasn't Heather wasn't nearly as I mean she was close with Maya when she had Maya, but like when even though Claire and I broke up, my visits never stopped, and I always would take him or go see him or go walk him and stuff. Heather would have huge, you know. Well, with the exception of when Eloise was first born, she would have huge wafts of time where uh, uh, she wouldn't, you know, even see Maya. I know. In fact, she found out Maya died via text. Yeah, I know. So it was uh, <laughs> it was a very interesting relationship she had with that dog. Yeah, I'm like, this was... is your dog. Go see your damn dog. What's wrong with you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, she just man, she just Heather. But yeah. uh, I, I. You know, there was many times when I would just, you know, if Heather, if Claire had to go out of town, I would go, well, I'll take him, you know. And uh, we couldn't do it when we lived in, 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 um, out in Sherwood, but I would just go see him. But, uh, like when he, you know, cause he lived out, when he, you know, when he died, it was just like he's old and he's, so we took him to the vet. And he, unlike a lot of other animals, he loved going to the vet. He loved getting on the scale. He was like an excited. <laughs> So he was like, he would, you know, we had to carry him. And this dog for the most of his life was like 75 pounds. That's a big dog. And yeah. And uh, when he, you know, I carried him into the, into the vet and made him comfortable and just gave him a little, you know, gave him a little shot and he passed, slept, this guy fell asleep and passed away. Mm. But um, it was rough, but. Uh, when I picked him up, you know, but when he, when we brought him in, you know, he was like 75 pounds most of the time, fluctuated between 75 and 80 pounds. And then when, you know, the day he died, he was 45 pounds. Oh God, he wouldn't eat then, huh? No, he wouldn't eat. He was just, he was, we realized keeping him alive was cruel because he couldn't do anything. He could barely walk. She'd have to like damn near pick him up to take him out to go. You know, and then when he saw we were going to the vet, his the whole we could see his tail moving. You know, because mm-hmm. he was a little happy about it. And he lift his head up, so he's like, "Oh, that was all he could muster up for excitement." Why? And, why is know, it that we do that for our animals, but not for our, for our for our uh, fellow humans? You know, you'll have a human being that's in pain all the time and can't move, and we go like, "Well." We need to just, you know, let God handle it. And I'm like, we don't let God handle our, do- our beloved animals. Why not? Why it... not put our beloved humans down so they don't have to feel the pain? But we want humans to live with pain. Even doctors, they won't even give you enough pain medicine so you're at least not in pain. Even though you're terminal, yeah. they know you're terminal. They know you're going to die, and they still won't give you enough pain medicine so that you can at least die. Going, I feel good. You know, yeah. So I have never understood that. That's why I was fighting with uh, with them over Wally and God help y'all when Shia finally has to go down. Oh, I am not gonna be. I'm gonna be a mess when that when that happens. An absolute mess. Um. Yeah. Oh it's God, ne- I'm gonna be a it's mess. Ne- mm. It's it's never easy. Yeah, I don't even like thinking about it. It just I look at her and she's got gray in her face. It's oh, I, oh you know, man, it hurts. Mm. It's gonna suck when, but you know, after Titus went down, I, you know, I didn't want another dog until or Titus and Riggs <laughs> went down. I didn't, I didn't want another dog until Heather, you know, until Titus came along. 
And even when, you know, and it was easy because Eloise didn't want to talk. Oh, yeah. There you go. Oh, she didn't want a dog, was, so there you go. Yeah. She was terrified of dogs, but once that went away, I, remember. I was, I can war, I started warming up to the idea. Then when we got Titus, you know, it's, it's over. That, that dog, I love that dog, but it's going to happen again. And mm-hmm. It's sooner than later because when we got Titus, he was six years old, seven years old. Yeah. And he's a, he's a, I mean, he'd lost a ton of weight. Uh, because I'm not there to give him treats whenever he wants. <laughs> apparently, not there to apparently him up. That's... So yeah, it was funny. Uh, the vet's like, "Do you guys have him on a diet?" Uh, you know, when they took it, Heather took him to the vet. She's like, "No, he just, uh, you know, my husband and I separated, and uh, he just doesn't get treats whenever he wants them now." <laughs> so he lost like 20 pounds, but he's dead. he's a, Titus is also a big dog. Titus is like, well, at his, you know. When we got him, he was 110 pounds. Yeah, that's a big dog. <laughs> and he, I mean, he's down to a, a slim 85 now. That's, <laughs> hey, that's better. I'm sure he's probably. I'm mm-hmm. sure he probably needs to be about 70. I would think. Well, he's pretty substantial. I mean, you look at him when he moves around. Sometimes it's like, oh, that dog works out. Nah. <laughs> he's got. He's. He's. I mean, we. He's basically a mutt. We know he's mixed with a bulldog because he's got that big bulldog head. Mm. But uh, it's probably some mix of a black lab and a or some kind of shepherd dog and a bulldog. I thought he had some pit bull in him a little bit, but I could be wrong. Uh, maybe even that yeah. because he's got he's got that bulldog and pit bull head. That's what he's I said. That big it. massive dome that they have. That's just like man, he got a large and he's, head. And, and he's real, you know, he's real muscular dog. You know, so he's just like uh, he's a good boy. He's a good boy. I love that dog. See, like, but it's gonna be rough. It's gonna be rough when that happens. See, like Shia is my real. I grew up with dogs in the house, but Shia is like my first dog. Dog. You know, the other dogs I didn't love, but I didn't. But I. But I. I liked and tolerated. You know, when they were around, I. Right. I just didn't. There was something about them. They were always huge. My mother liked huge dogs. I mean. Titus, uh, yeah, Titus is a little dog compared to the, some of the ones we had. I had a, one of our German Shepherds, I think he weighed like 140 pounds. Our, our Doberman weighed like 110 pounds. And they were huge dogs. And when they barked, man, it was just like a, it was like a shiver went down your spine every time they barked. You're like, oh, oh God, you going to kill me? <laughs> well, you know, Michelle, you know, Michelle and, um, Michelle and Kevin, right? Yeah, Bernard, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they had, you know, they had Zeus and Sadie. And Sadie, they were St. Bernard's, and Sadie was um, Sadie was uh, the smaller of the two, and Sadie was 150 pounds. Zeus was 175 pounds. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what I grew with, dogs like that. And that's good. I was like, <laughs> these dogs, we could barely walk them. Even my dad could barely walk those dogs. They were so big. You know, if they decided there was a squirrel, well, we're going to go find the squirrel. You know what I mean? There's just, there's just there's nothing I'm, I can do to slow this dog down. Because we, right. you know, we never got a harness uh, thing for them. We, they always had the one around the neck. And for some reason, they were able to just yank through that. They never choked. They just kept going. Well, See, we're going this way. Okay, I guess we're going this way. <laughs> yeah, because Riggs, Riggs would do that. He would like, he see a squirrel, he'd just run. Yep. And he almost pulled, uh, he almost drug Claire, almost, you know, she was she's not very big. 
and it almost uh, you know almost pulled her arm out of the socket. Mm-hmm. So we had to get him one of those old midi mid <laughs> medieval uh, training training collars, and it has like the metal. Like if he pulls, it's gonna hurt him because it's got like the metal on the inside, yep. the spikes of. And so after about a, a few months of that, he would stop doing it, and so we could switch it out. And you know, it, and uh, but uh, he was the same way. Titus now, Titus, he was like that with cats, and uh, now he can't really, you know, he can only see like a few feet in front of his face, if that, mm. if it's if it's light outside. But uh, you know, in his old age, he's gotten very um, very chill because Paul had him for a week when Heather and Eloise were out of town, mm-hmm. and Paul has a cat. And uh, but he loves dogs. I mean, hell, he's got a dog tattoo on his hand. His dog had died, but uh, he uh, he has a cat. Uh, what's the cat's name? Uh, Gizmo or something like that. Anyway, uh, that's my cat's name. Uh, the, uh, something like that. Um, but um, after like the first their first meeting was was wasn't good. Titus tried to kill him, mm-hmm. but by the end. The cat was taking a nap on Titus's back. They were they were buds towards the end of the week. Yeah, Titus probably went. You know what? Fuck it. Just lay on me. I'll be fine. Just just fuck it. I don't yeah. care anymore. <laughs> she would. She would. Uh, if he was laying down, she'd go over ever ever he was uh, laying and like get make him force him to snuggle her. <laughs> so, see, that's what we see. We had like, a giant cat too. Uh, well. A cat that was a giant. The cat weighed like 15 pounds. The cat was huge. And it was 15 pounds, like what? Almost front the, the its body was almost like two feet long. It was almost like a Maine Coon cat. I swear to God, the cat was cat was a giant. And the dogs never messed with the cat. And my when that cat got angry, you, you needed to move. Because uh yeah. our neighbor got her uh didn't move fast enough when the when she was petting the cat, little girl, and the cat got mad and put her claw in her tear duct and almost ripped it out. She got so angry at her. And I was like, I told you when the cat hisses, you need to back up. She was like, oh, I didn't know. And her whole, her eye is bleeding. And I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. I'm surprised we didn't get sued. But it was a different era, so you know nobody sued anybody back yeah. then. They just kind of went, well, try not to have it happen again. My kid's okay. Because she was fine. She just had a bloody eye. I mean, her eye burnt. Cat didn't hit her eye or nothing. Just right claw stuck deep in her tear duct. And my mother had, we had to, took two of us. Ooh. Yeah, we took two of us to grab the cat and hold her, hold her real tight. And then to take her paw and, and, and slowly pull it out of her eye. And then, and then the Jesus cat took off throughout Christ. the house. I don't know where the cat went, but the cat was hot. And I'm like, I tried to tell you our cat is not normal. You you don't just walk up and pet this this 15 pound cat, okay? You gotta ease into it. <laughs> this cat may kill you. And I remember the cat died at like 13 when we were on vacation somewhere. Uh, the cat didn't like my dad that much because my dad didn't even acknowledge the cat. And so we came back. My dad was like, "Oh, the cat died." I'm like, "Oh well, thanks for <laughs> thanks for breaking it to your children that way, sir. I appreciate that." Hey, uh, 
Pork and beans ready. Oh, by the way, the cat's that, dead. That's, the exact, that's exactly how it went. <laughs> that is exactly how it went. There was no compassion in that man's voice. None. He's like, I can't die. All right, so uh, who's going to pick this shit up over here? There's this stuff over here. I'm like, whoa, whoa. Cat's dead? Hey, uh, Marcel. He's like, uh, hey, Marcel, uh, knock, knock. Uh, who's there? Cat's dead. There you go. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like, what is wrong with you, man? Go, <laughs> go clean your yeah, room. Go clean your room. Uh, wash your hands. And we're going to get some dinner in a minute. Uh, cat, cat, cat. I had to throw the cat out. You know, they took the trash already. So, uh, cat's gone. Uh, I, I'm not a really big cat fan. I just, I, I, one, I'm allergic to the cat dance. Yeah, it seems the older, the older I get, the more, uh, tolerant my body mm. is like, if, like, I oh got in my twenties. If there was a cat, if there was like a heavy cat presence in someone's house, like cat hairs, my throat would close. I'd have to leave. I couldn't walk in there unless I had some heavy duty, Probably gonna make me drowsy drugs to combat it. God. Now, now, like when I like when we would back in the olden days when we used to podcast at your house. Yeah, way back in the old days. <laughs> back in the back in 2019. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, I would if I knew I was going to your place, I'd just take a non-drowsy uh, antihistamine or something and. Uh, and uh, I was good. Or if I, if I, you know, if I didn't take one and went to your house, I just have this perpetual runny nose mm-hmm. that would just fucking, I hate it. But there's only, I'm not really a cat guy, but there's two cats. Uh, if you now, if they were alive and like, uh, I wouldn't want them in this house, but like if, you know, Heather and Eloise and I were all under the same roof, I would have let us, um, keep that cat because there was a one cat uh there was a cat because you know when we lived out in sherwood you know we're in the literally in the country and wayne wanted a um uh uh an outdoor cat that you know just kill mice and gophers and yeah. shit and he he got these two cats it was Vern. yeah i remember Vern. uh no 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 i'm sorry not Vern. Vern came later it was uh it was. Um, Why do I remember Vern then? I thought Vern was first. No, no, Vern. Vern was the third cat they got after, because they before that they got a cat, Birdie Lou, and they got I forget the cat's name or uh, Claude or something. It was a boy that sounds cat that sounds sister. right. Claude sounds right. I think it was like Claude and Birdie yeah. Lou, and and Claude died right away. A coyote got him like within a week. Bertie Lou, they were both, here's the thing, they were both indoor cats. In fact, uh, neither of them had ever really lived outside. So we were both like, well, after I think Claude, yeah, after Claude died, we're like, well, you know, it's not, Bertie Lou's probably not going to make it. She steered right into it. She got more, she became like super primal. Mm-hmm. She was a killing machine. Yeah. It was, it was really something to see. I was. I remember telling Heather once. I was like, "Man, if she was like the size of a dog, she'd be fucking dangerous." She'd kill you. I mean, she could eat, yeah. kill, and eat. Yeah, if she was the size she, of a dog, like maybe forty pounds, she'd kill you. You couldn't fight it off at forty yeah. pounds. That'd be it. That's all you would need. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it was crazy. She loved Eloise. She'd always like sneak in her crib. She'd sneak in the house. And then I go to like, you know, get Eloise wake up for, her, you know, because she was a baby baby. She's still in the crib. And uh, 
I go in there and Bernie Lou's cuddled up with her. I was like, ah, get out of here. But she she killed we you know, for a while there they were, they had a gopher problem. Not after <laughs> Not <Bernie anymore>. <laughs> <laughs> We had a little bit of a mouse problem at the barn with the cows. That went away. Bertie Lou was uh I remember one time I was feeding Eloise in the you remember in the kitchen there's that big yeah, yeah. window uh-huh. in the front. I'm feeding her sitting at the front, standing on the counter. She's sitting on the thing and I'm looking at the bird feeder. I'm having her look at the bird feeder because there's two hummingbirds. Birdie Lou climbed the tree that's above the bird feeder, jumped out, jumped out, just really didn't jump, just dropped and snatched one of the hummingbirds off the feeder and tore its wings off. Mm. I, we just, we just, well, well, what it uh, actually, we saw we're looking at the at the hummingbirds. Cat drops. We both jump because we weren't expecting to see a cat out of nowhere. And then I go to the front door. It's like, oh my gosh, you got that uh, hummingbird. I go open the front door. There's two wings on the front on the on the welcome mat. She she took the rest of it and left the two wings for us. <laughs> hey, here's your share. Um, I'm gonna go eat this now or play with it while it dies. Bye. <laughs> But you know, she never was to be inside, and and if things got cold, they let her in the garage, which was halfway heated. So, you know, it was. Uh, but she could come and go as she pleased. See, that's what I'm saying. See, we didn't have over here. We don't. We don't have a um, uh, a, 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 a small animal problem like gophers. Shia, calm down. Like uh, like gophers or rats or mice or anything, because there's so many feral cats out here. Feral cats are the right. best hunters in the world. They have a, well, if they don't hunt, they well, don't they're eat. like. But you know how the, you always see like lions and cheetahs on the on those on those uh, on those shows where uh, cheetahs on the hunt and they always see them catching something. Big big lions yeah. have like a twenty percent kill rate. They 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 don't kill very often. They are, they go sometimes weeks on hunts without killing something. Cheetahs, same thing, but feral cats, 90%. I think that's the number is really high, where nine out of 10 times, they're going to come back with some food because they're that good. They are that good. They will. You have two or three of them running around your neighborhood or around your house, you will not have mice anymore. They'll just run. They'll just kill well, them all. I think a part of it is that they're so much bigger than their prey. And they're they're fast yeah. already, but they're so much bigger than their prey and fast. Because you know, if a lion's chasing an antelope or an ox or, or not ox, but what do you call oh, those? Oh, those water uh, buffaloes, those giant. Yeah, things. water buffaloes. Yeah, yeah. They're you know they're usually either forty pounds, give or take, in either direction. A mouse is you know, or a cat is usually fifty times bigger than its prey. Yeah, and they just <laughs> slaughter them, and it's like. Yeah. It's just, it's an amazing thing. You know, like I remember when we had our couch out here, like, you're going to get mice. I was like, no, I'm not. <laughs> we got cats. There's not a, I haven't seen a mouse since I've been here. And that is, yeah. a, that's because they're, they're, the cats are everywhere. They're everywhere. You just look up and you'll just see this little street go by. Plus, we have coyotes. And I don't know if they eat rats, but they're here every so often. Like Every coyote, so often, I look out and the coyotes coyote. family will run by, run down the street. I'm like, where are you hiding during the day? Where are you guys? Because yeah. they're big. Coyotes are like bigger than Shia. 
and I don't see them during the day. Oh. It's the strangest thing. <sighs> yeah, once in a while you'll see. Oh, we used at the old house when we when I lived on Barnes. You'd see coyotes in the backyard, mm-hmm. and we we had a couple of those uh, deer, uh, deer, and a couple of bucks. One we called Bucky. I remember I took a picture of him. Uh, actually, here at the here at this house, uh, I I pulled up and there was a buck on the side of the house. I was like, "What?" It was just standing yeah. there, and he just took off. He just it's took like, off. He didn't run away. He walked. He probably away. went like, "You ain't dumb enough like to he... chase me, motherfucker." I'm just gonna pimp off. <laughs> now you remember that video where that dude almost got killed by that buck, right? Oh yeah, he yeah, he was beating the hell out of his hooves, man. And I'm like, they say that happens more than you think. They say hunters, I think five to ten of them die every year because of that. That the bucks just go like, nah, not today, dog. <laughs> and just beat beat them to death. You know, it's like it's like I told you about kangaroos, how they drown dogs or their or whatever's messing with them. They'll go if they can't oh, beat yeah. you on land, they jump straight into some water, put their arms out, like jump in. And if you're dumb enough to jump in, first thing you do is put the hands on your shoulders or head, push you under, and try to kill you. And I'm like, that's a human thing. They're learning. They're learning. Oh, dear God, they're learning. We're going to die by kangaroo. <laughs> they're learning. Uh, so anyway, yeah, it's um, it's like our two cats. You know, they don't they don't hunt anything, but they can both disappear in the house. Something, something terrible. And I've never understood that about cats. They can vanish if they want to. Where you don't find them. You think they're I thought I thought I'd lost them both outside one day when we had some people clean the house. They left the door open for a minute. Because I couldn't find them. I looked everywhere. And then mm-hmm. when they left, 10 minutes later, here they both come out. I don't know where they came from, but they came out. I was like, where were you two hiding at? You know, you little bastards. No. Now you re- you probably remember Vern because we Vern we uh, we kind of babysat Vern for a couple months while Wayne and Sandy were looking to that's buy that's right house. that's the one you said that got killed outside is not the one yeah okay yeah. that's why I know that yeah. name. okay 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 and I really like that cat because that cat was like that cat was like a dog he would come if you mm. called him. When we when we would walk to the park, so I always would play the park. He would just follow us, walk alongside us like a dog would. And uh, one time we were in the backyard. I was doing some yard work, and Eloise was just playing in the backyard, painting while I was working. And there was a mother with four rabbits, and uh, well, a mother with three rabbits. Vern killed all of them, and then. And then kept bringing him to the remember that yeah. room in the back. It, it brought him, kept putting him on the on the front porch of the mud room, and and Eloise was like, she was just watching this. She was like, she was like, oh look at the cute bunny. And then out of nowhere, Vern just snapped it up and snapped snapped its neck, dropped it, went and gr- found out where the <laughs> other ones were. This all happened at the span of like. Hold on, minutes. I got more to kill. Just a second. Kill, kill, I'll be right back. Killed like. Killed like all four of them. And then Eloise said, as I'm getting a shovel to clean this up, Eloise is like, wasn't a good day to be bunnies. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, you heard about that. Like that. my brother's got a got two German shepherds, uh, a male and a female. I forget their names, but they're huge dogs, like 110 
and a hundred pounds each, you know, and he's got, he's got my little niece, uh-huh. but they love her. But Antar's like, I am, he doesn't trust the dogs to that degree yet. Like if she starts playing with their food, you know, he's right there. He's like, eh, <laughs> baby girl, don't play with the dog's food. I mean, you're, you're, you're too small to do that, but you know, she's a, she's a year and a half old, almost two. So, you know, she's a dummy still. Um, and uh, he said that in his backyard with the female dog, there is a bird graveyard back there and a small animal graveyard. Anything that goes in the backyard, his dog immediately kills. He's picked up birds, rats, mice. I think he said he uh, a couple possums. He said, my dog is a murder dog. My dog won't stop killing. I don't know why. The other dog doesn't kill things. This dog will just kill it and not eat it. He saw the dog flip up a, uh, a possum, I think it was, in the air and just running around as it hit the ground and tried to scurry off. Dog would jump on it again, fire it up in the air. Like he was playing, just having a grand old time. So, so this dog is killing. Yeah, that's sport. what makes him scared of the dog. It's like the dog is not killing to eat. The dog is yeah. killing because it's fun. Yeah, he should be. He should, he should that's keep what I an eye on that dog. If he's if he's killing yeah. for sport, yeah. I mean, I can see if he's doing it to protect. Like Titus, when Eloise, when Eloise, you know, she was like, uh, when we got Titus, Eloise was uh, first grader, and um, he was super protective. Like every day when she got off the bus, the bus would let off right in front of the house. So I'd be standing there. Titus would be standing there. At one time, uh, you know, uh, she was upset when she got off the bus. Yeah. And I think I told you that story mm-hmm. a long time ago, but I had Titus with me and Titus started growling because she was upset and he wasn't even looking at her. He was looking. Yeah. Which one of you motherfuckers did this? Which one? <laughs> 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 so he was, he was a good, he's a good dog. I remember one time someone broke into our, uh, they didn't take anything, but someone definitely broke into our tool shed under the house and uh, Heather heard something. And I just immediately got up. I grabbed the knife and I'm walking towards the door. It's so funny. I'm such I'm such a psychopath. I'm, in, I'm like always halfway in yeah. battle mode. Yeah, yeah. So I immediately, she's like, she was like telling me, she's like, I couldn't get over. She's like, I'm glad you, I'm glad you're this way because you just got up, you put shoes on, you or slippers on, grabbed a knife and just walked outside mm-hmm. with no fear. I was like, oh shit, mm-hmm. I could do that. <laughs> but yeah, I felt like a well, family's threatened. Somebody's got to kill die. something. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> So I, I, without thinking, I just did that. But uh, what we talked about afterwards is Titus was right behind me. That dog, he's a, you know, he's he's a killing machine if he has to be, but he doesn't. No, do yeah, sport. that's and that's what kind of scares me about that dog and, and my niece being there. It's like, yeah, after he might get bored or he might get her, she might get him on the wrong day, and he's and he's already kind of half in the bag with wanting to kill something. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's little kids. Little kid is, you know, that's what he said. Antar is fully aware of that. You know, he's like, I don't let her. She likes to lay on him, and she like, and she's a since she's a little kid. You know how they don't know how to pet anything? They smack it. Yeah, they don't. They don't. (laughs) They don't quite. And he said she just smacks the dog. They're not. And uh, I'm like. Does the dog growl? I said, no, but I don't like it when she does that. I have to try to tell her not to, but she won't learn yet. And I said, nigga, she's 
only a year and a half old, man. She barely knows her name. Yeah. This is not going to change. <laughs> she, I, I'm not surprised she didn't put that dog's foot in her mouth if she if the dog, the dog was asleep. You know, this is what kids do mm. because they don't know any better. They don't know shit. Your child is a moron. Yeah. Like all babies, they're all morons. They're trying to learn. And she won't be cognizant of the world, even though he thinks she knows who she is. I'm like, no, she doesn't. She will not know who she is really until she's about five. Then she'll really know who she is, who you are, and start forming real memories that she'll have for the rest of her life and understand consequences. Hey, 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 hey. Hey, hey, stop with the beating on the table, dude. You are setting the oh, register sorry. off. <laughs> it's just that I get I, I get so annoyed when parents act like their babies are more than what they are. And this is my blood and, 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 and DNA. It's like she's a baby. She's a moron. That's just what they are. She's cute. You love her. You teach her. But that's just what she is. You know, it's not an insult. Yeah, And most people take that as an insult. I'm like, no, it's not. Your kid, like when Kobe Bryant died in that that tragic accident that killed all those other people and him and his daughter, I felt bad mostly for the newborn that was like maybe nine months old. I'm like, she's not even going to remember him. She's not. She doesn't know him. When she grows up, she will have no recollection of her dad. None. Absolutely zero. He has a five-year-old, and I'm like, that five-year-old will barely remember him. And I mean, just barely. There'll be like shadows of her dad and ghost images. She won't really, really, really remember him because they're not old enough. Their brains aren't, don't form memories yet. You know, they say our brains aren't fully formed till we're 25 years old. Then the brain finally yeah. forms. And I don't know. I'm, uh, we need to stop. I'm about to go on a tangent on on charging kids as as adults. You know that that's another thing that really it just <laughs> bothers me when they do that. It's like either you're a kid or you're not. You know, it's either I can go get a drink right. at a 13, or I can't. Oh, I can't. But if I killed somebody, you can send me to jail like an adult. Which one am I? Am I a child well, who doesn't know any better? Or am I a person who does know better and I should be able to get a drink too? Being an adult well, should, should be full privileges. You know, period. Yeah, I agree. But also when it comes to crimes, uh, it doesn't just stay that way with um, with race, you know. Like... Uh, That's true, too. Yeah. Uh, white kid does something horrible. Well... You know, he or she is, they're young, they got the life ahead of them, they made mm-hmm. some mistakes. Any other thing, any other race? Yep, all under the jail. jail. Like that one little black kid uh, in Florida, he was 13 years old. He killed his sister, I think, doing a wrestling move. And I'm like, yeah. at, at 13, I, I thought wrestling was real too. And I'm like, don't, I said, all you adults, don't lie. You did not know wrestling was fake to you. Were probably 12, 13, 14, 15 years old. Now, no, there's, there are, that's, hold on, that's there not are true. some who had asshole adults <laughs> who said it's fake and didn't let you figure it out on his own. Like my dad always told me, and this is where I was going to transition to, he always told me that this is fake. And I never believed him until I was, I think I was 12 or 13. 
and I got into a fight and I hit the guy in the face. He hit me in the face. My face swole up. His face swole up. My Our hands were hurting. And I was like, at some reason, I went right to Bret Hart. I was like, wait, Bret Hart kicks a guy in the face and nothing happens. Motherfucker, my dad's right. This shit is fake. They're not hitting or kicking anybody. This sons of bitches. I, I didn't know. I didn't know. How old, how old are you? 12, how old are you? 13 years old. Jesus, dude, you were. Yeah, behind. I just, I just let it. I, I believed in the, in the, in, 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 in the magic <laughs> trick. I never looked behind the curtain, you know, until, until then. I just, I, I, I didn't think they were superheroes like a lot of people do. I just thought that that was what the sport was, even though I was a boxing fan, and I saw what happened to boxers. It never dawned on me. That if Sugar Ray Leonard hits Marvel's Marvin Hagler in the face <laughs> and his face swells up, why is it that Bret Hart hits Owen Hart and his face don't swell up? Man, I put it together like an eight. I was like, I, I thought it was real until remember Sandy yep. Bars wrestling in the early, early 80s? I, rem, I remember watching Dizzy Hogan, who was like a Hulk Hogan um he was like a Hulk Hogan, one of you know, like knockoff. He was like great right. value Hulk Hogan, and uh, he was he was fighting. I forget the guy's name, but he had a beard, white dude, curly hair, and um, he punched him in the face. And he's like, "Oh, he cut him, or he's gonna open him up." And he's punching on him. And I remember why he's supposed to be like uh, gouging mm-hmm. his eyes. I was like, his thumbs are just on top of his eyebrows. They're not on his oh. eyes. So why is he acting like that? And then what he was doing was squeezing yeah. the cut. And I was like, I, I was like, I, I was like, he's he's not really, he's helping it. He's not yeah. really hurting him. And my mom's like, no, he's not. And then I just after that, I'm just like, okay. Now it's funny. I, I once I was like. I, usually people realize it's not real because you know, some, someone breaks kayfabe. Right. I just saw two rest, two wrestlers being uh, just going through the numbers, being a little too uh, ca- Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That's why you and saw then, it, because they weren't doing their job. You're not, you weren't supposed to see that. You know? was, and, and they weren't doing their job. Yeah. So I'm sure that the people backstage saw it and lit into them a little bit, because they protected kayfabe back then like, like it was like Oh yeah, oh, McMahon man. would find people if they if they broke kayfabe. Well, you would get you would get yep. heavily fined, and you might not have a spot that you currently. Yeah, have like Bret Hart and Owen Hart, it, when they were feuding, they had to sit apart on the plane to go from where they were going because yeah. people were always watching. Like, are they really mad at each other? They just, and he said, he said we couldn't talk or nothing to keep the kayfabe. And I told you about um, uh, Billy Jack Haynes and myself almost got into a fight in a weight room. Because I, I asked him, how do you not hurt the guy? Because I know you're not hitting or kicking him, but that part of wrestling's fake. And, you know, how do you do that? And he flipped out on me. He literally cut a promo on me in front of everybody. Hollered, screamed, pointed, and just started, just, he like roided up. You know, his all his veins started popping out of his head and his neck. And I'm looking at this dude like, what is wrong? Well, with you know you? what? I, I I I think it's I mean he did overreact, but I think it's less about him trying to protect kayfabe versus 
so many. I've heard this only from an. I talked to this one independent guy when Casey and I went. Uh, they had one that come th- came through town years ago, and we went. And Casey wanted to go smoke, and the the current, you know, who was on the roster that that particular match was kind of boring. So I just went out there with him to shoot the shit. And one of the wrestlers from the earlier in the thing was out there, and so we just started talking to him, not even about just about mm-hmm. music and shit. Because we, I was told him I liked how he he did like a, it was definitely some DJ. He got someone to, to re-edit, but he his entry music was uh, like three different DMX songs mixed together, nice. like one. And I was like, I was like, man, that was a really good intro. I realized I recognized all the songs, and he was like, oh, thanks. And he had some DJ friend. Is that your cat in the background? Yeah, I'm about to close the doors. <laughs> and he was, yeah. And he, he was telling me that, um, you know, everyone knows that, you know, we're, we start talking about wrestling. He's like, everyone knows it's not, you know, it's not real anymore, but we hate to hear it's fake because we do so much real shit. It's, the wrestlers are all busted out I know. because of all the real yeah. shit. So they, I think if you had a better choice of words, you probably wouldn't have, even though he did overreact, he probably well, wouldn't have Well, the funny mad. thing is I thought I chose my words carefully. I, I missed, I messed up on one word. But two things. One, he cut the pro- I didn't fit- he cut the promo on me for about thirty seconds, and yeah, and here, he, well, he didn't know my name, but he said he <laughs> called me brother at least ten times, and 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 he put his little stubby finger in my face, and then after about thirty seconds, I noticed that he took a step back, and I could you know how if you've been in enough fights, you know when someone's gonna hit you or when you or. Oh yeah, you you can right. you can totally tell, especially if they're not good and they telegraphed them. Yeah, you yeah, know they're you gonna can totally hit you. See it and you also know when there's someone you probably shouldn't mess with, or you don't know why, but you get that gut feeling. I probably shouldn't do this. I didn't back up, and he kept looking at me as each one of his, you know, brother, I'm gonna take you out the ring, and he kept back and he took a step back. I was like, I'm not afraid of you, dude. And my hands were behind my back. Mm-hmm. And the thing that he didn't know is I had one of those five-pound plates wrapped around my hand. And I'm like, if he put his hands on me, I was going to crack his head open. And my friend who I was at the gym with had already <laughs> circled behind him and was about to hit him in the head with a, with a dumbbell. We were, I was like, you're going to die, dude. You guys are, you guys, you guys well, are going to murder this you guy. But the, here's the thing. <laughs> at 20 years old, when this happened, I was like a buck 40. You know, and 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 this dude was like 280, just roided out. Billy Jack Haynes was roided out of his mind back then. Just up this, and he was only like five nine or ten, but he looked like a like a like just this giant human being, you know. And he thought I was supposed to run because of our size difference. And I'm like, dude, I'm not afraid of you because I know that the worst thing you can do is kill me, and I'm not afraid to die. I've, I've had friends die, so I'm not afraid of that. One. Two, you have no idea what's behind my back. Three, you have no idea what's behind your back. So you need to be more aware of your circumstance before you holler and scream. Now, back to the words. I thought I used the words correctly because I said everything else you guys do, you know, we know is, you know, above board or something like that. I don't remember exactly what I said with that. But I know the punches and kicks are fake because they are. And I figured that he would be nicer about it because later on in life, like maybe three years ago, I found out a pro wrestler, I think it was MVP actually, who said those exact same words to a pro wrestler 
And the wrestler said, I tell you what, I'll teach you how to be a pro wrestler and then you tell me what's fake. MVP said the guy took him into the ring, taught him how to wrestle, and he said after the first day, he was bruised and battered. He said, but I knew that most of it wasn't fake, but the punches and the kicks were fake. He said, everything else is real. He said, I learned, and he became a pro wrestler. And I said, now, what if Billy Jack Haynes had been a, not an asshole and said, hey, kid, let me take you to the ring, and I'll, sh I'll show you how we do it. I might, be a, I might be a retired pro wrestler right now. I might have fell in love with it. But he was such an asshole that that was never going to happen. And to this day, I'm like, I, I don't know why you reacted so harshly. We know you're not punching these guys. I know you're not kicking these guys. I've been in enough fights to know this. Why are you protecting this? You know? I, I, and, I, and I know I may have misspoke by saying fake. I'll give you that. Bad, bad word. That's the word that sets them all off is fake. But I don't mm -hmm. feel bad about the way I approached him because I thought I approached him with respect for his business, his job, um, you know, the sport. Well, it's not really a sport, I guess, but tactic. Yeah, they try to make it. They try to make it legal to call it. A yeah, because you can't. Because a sport means predetermined. Because right? it's predetermined. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's predetermined. So it's they they put right. it under theater. Yeah, it's theater. Really it really is. It, it's a what? Did, what did TJ call it? It's a it, it's a longest running. It's a long running soap opera. Is what wrestling actually is. Yeah, with violence. You know, they with settle violence. everything in the ring or with chairs or whatever. But it's a soap opera. These guys are all actors. You know. That's why I hate when people say, well, well granted, Hogan oh, did suck as an actor, but I remember uh, uh, my, uh, you know, my, one of my best friends, uh, Danielle, her brother, Darren, or Derek, Darren, I work with a Darren, but Derek mm -hmm. is her brother. And um, Derek uh, was a protege of Roddy Piper. Ah. And he was, he was in every dark match. For like three years that was coming through town here with nice. WWE and um, they said after his last dark match he he had a choice to make because he did a he did one televised match and that was with who had remember a hornswoggle or that little the little guy he was dressed up like a, they had him dressed up like a not Seamus Seamus was the one Irish guy the other one that oh, carried a shillelagh all the time and Finley, yeah, he had a one match on oh. SmackDown with Finley. Finley beat the shit out of him, and he's like, you know, it's like, yeah, the kicks aren't real, the punches aren't real, or they mostly because right. sometimes they'll slip up. But he says all those slaps and those bumps they push you and they throw you on the yeah. ropes. So all that shit's real. He's like, he, he was, he said that he said Finley was like the Finley told him like, all right, kid, this is we gotta really sell you, so let's do this, and. uh so he said he beat the shit out of him. He's lost the match. He lost the match, of course, but it, he did a good. His, his character was Caden, uh, and uh, um, he, uh, you know, this is not. This is you know, Derek. Derek is he's a good kid. He was just like mm -hmm. ten years younger than us, and but he went to you know he went to he did some serious prison oh. time. Ten years from eighteen, he got out at twenty eight, and then went right into wrestling. So, um, uh, but he got like several degrees and in, in water oh, purification and stuff. And so, yeah, oh him. yeah, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. And, and, you know, he's got a kid that's a little younger than Eloise now. And, uh, anyway, they, at, 
the end of his uh, that match, he they told him that you know he could they could give him like a starting contract with WWE or you know because he was like on the border he had like this opportunity or he could go with the government job he just got with water purification working for the city and he chose to he chose the the latter oh yeah he got he got a kid he had to take the water purification dude no 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 he did the 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 oh okay okay okay. until years later oh i would i would have taken wrestling then if i didn't have no nobody but me i'd have taken a wrestling job uh, it was just him, but uh, he he saw that it you know the shelf life could be a year. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> you know, and he's like, and he's like, uh, so what he ended up doing mm. is taking a government gig and and just starting his own independent in in you know uh, in Woodland and it's called Woodland Wrestling and he did that for a while. He just he's just a, now he just does it for it's just a passion, something to do on top of his job, his real job. That he's been at for God almost as long wow. as I've been at my job. So yeah, he's you know he I think he made the right choice. He and he's in, to this day he's like I made the right choice. He's like I probably would have lasted five years tops. Mm. You know he's like if I feel sore I don't have to wrestle. You know if I'm hurt or something, uh, I have a regular job so I could if I take a a month off I take a month off no big deal. He's like if I was in the WWE you know. I gotta, I gotta work hurt because yep. I got mouths to feed. He's like, I'm, I oh, definitely. Oh yeah, he choice. did. Since he's got kids and a family, man, I would have done it just for the experience, you know, and then come back to the job because I would have figured the jobs, jobs are gonna be here. If I got degrees, I can get a job in the real world, you know, with no problem. But there's no point in looking back if you're him. I mean, he made the right choice, obviously for him. You know, he's doing fine. His life's right. great. He's got a wrestling promotion that he can wrestle in if he wants to. So he's he's, he's living right, man. But I just think I would have chose wrestling just because I would want the opportunity to to walk. Yeah, just to kind of see if if, if, if if I have what it takes to, to make it, you know, because that's an opportunity that comes around once in 10 lifetimes. You know what I mean? That's. Oh yeah, it's yeah, definitely it a is. lottery and, and, ticket. And to just go, eh, I throw this lottery ticket away, is a little foolish to me. You know, I mean, no, no, no. That's why so. I said to me. I made a point to emphasize oh. to me that he had the winning lottery ticket and tossed it because you mean he wanted something safer. And I get it. I understand that. Go for you know if you don't want to do it, don't do it. But when you but when someone's on the outside looking in and they go like, dude, you had a chance. Like here's a here's a perfect example of of throwing away a lottery ticket. Um, you know Damon, you know uh, God, I won't even say his name, but I had a friend uh, make it to the NBA. Two of them. One of them's father was going to make it to the NBA. Okay, he uh, was recruited out of college, Portland State by Dr. J. Julius Irving, wanted him to come play with the Virginia Squires when they were in the ABA. Just couldn't wait to play with this dude because the uh, the guy's father was like a record breaker. One of the best shooters I've ever seen in my entire life. I've never seen anybody that can shoot a ball like him. And he turned it down. And I found out later why. He had a serious alcohol problem at the time. But he was also afraid to fail 
You know, he didn't want to he didn't want to go and fail. So he just decided not to do it. And I t- I've talked to him, you know, a few years ago. Well, it was actually a long about 10, 12 years ago. I talked to him about it. Finally, I told him, I said, man, I've known you my entire life. I figure I can ask you about this now. You know, what happened to you in, in the ABA and Dr. J? He said, man, I was just scared. He said, I was terrified of going. He said, I, I knew I could play. And he said it was the worst decision I ever made my entire life. He said, I should have sucked it up, went out there and tried. And I'm thinking, and when you told me that other guy's story, I'm thinking the same thing because he knew he had a, had a, had a, had a winning lottery ticket and he flushed it down the toilet. He had in his hands what millions of people dream about. And he just went, nope, can't do it. Well, I, I think he made the right choice, and I, I hope it. you understand where I'm coming from. Uh, though, right? It doesn't necessarily. I okay, good, good, good. I, I totally do, but I, I don't. But I, but I don't think that's the only the only avenue. That, you know, the why you would turn something like that down. Like if I got the opportunity at let's see, if I was going to truly try and make a go mm-hmm. as a professional filmmaker, I would have probably the break for me would have probably been around twenty. Yeah, 23, 24, I'd say. Maybe, no, I'd say 25, 26. When I, you know, I really came into what mm. I wanted to do as far as be a, be a filmmaker, what I wanted mm. to do. But, um, you know, the technology wasn't there. Uh, and so I couldn't, it wasn't nearly mm. as easy as it is now. So, but I, but I just educated myself. And then I was like, am I going to make that leap? And I really... You know, I was, I, what for me, I didn't want to, I wasn't, af- I wouldn't be afraid to fail. Yeah, I, I know. failed most of my yeah. life. So, yeah, I so I'm not afraid to do that. But I, but as someone who has been, I had to weigh it. I was like, what about now? If, if, if Will I not do, you know, I just like, I have to eat. I don't, uh, I've, you know, I'm not afraid to admit it. There was a time in my life when I was, a heartbeat away from being homeless. And I mean, like, I guess technically I was because I lived in my car for a couple of days and, uh, you know, my early 20s. And I never wanted to, I, you know, I I knew what that felt like. I knew if I were to make a move to L.A. because back then you had to go there. No regard. I mean, if you want to be like considered a pro, I mean, there's plenty of people doing it, not living there, but, and they would have had to they start already LA anyway, eventually, you know, because. Well, this was see, this was in the early aughts. So or late nineties. So it was uh, the VHS boom was real, especially that, that for that, that was uh, especially for mm-hmm. uh, independent filmmakers, guys that just shoot on video only a veal. Now, I wouldn't be rich, but I could mm-hmm. I could make a living doing that, and and uh, ended up that's what I had to make peace with because I just, I was like I I don't ever want to feel like I felt when I was almost homeless, and I was like that would definitely happen at least for a little while, even if I save some money and go to L.A. and try and make a serious go at it. I was like I I knew I had family there, mm-hmm. but I didn't want to do that, and I was like I was like you know what. I, I love film. I love the process. I love doing right. it. I don't love it enough to there just is. throw all caution to the wind. So there's some there's someone that, that feels it mm-hmm. that has it more than I do, 
and they, they, you know, some go and succeed, yep. some more go and fail. I just now I see that I understand that because I because I, yeah, well, I mean, that's, see, what, I, that's kind of my point. There it is. He probably didn't love right, it and I as and, and that you and that answer, I would never question. I would never go. Oh, you so no, no, no. Sometimes you're just because you're good at something or great at something or you like something doesn't mean that's the path you need to go on. You know, um, like Arsenio Hall, he was exactly. homeless for two years. He lived in his car for two years trying to be a stand up. That's now that's love. Yeah, that's dedication. And that's singular thinking, Jack. Two years of living in your car. Yeah. And you hear those stories, and it is it's also terrifying. But that's terrifying for every art. Absolutely, but think, look at it this way, and I—that's I, kind of stuff would play in my head when I was making right. this decision to not do it, because there's people that would do like two years, or and you just keep your head down and just keep pushing, 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 and 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 you will and you will break through. Yep, that is absolutely true, but let's say a hundred people do that yep. only three or less, or maybe just one are going to make it. So could you imagine for every Arsenio two years living in your car, uh, trying to be a standup and you look where you're at, you're a legend. There's someone that did the nope. same thing. We don't know if they're still in their car or what happened to them. We or, have no idea. We have no idea what happened to them. Exactly. Yeah, right. Exactly. And that's when I, that's when I realized as much as I am obsessed with filmmaking and movies I'm not so obsessed with what I'm willing to put my life on the line right. that way, at least See, to yeah. that extent. Yeah. I just can't. So I was like, I don't, I don't. Yeah, and hunger, I get I that. It's kind of like Eddie later. Murphy said the same thing. He said when he was on our Sydney Hall when he was really young, he said, um, he said, follow your dreams, don't have a plan B. And our Sydney went, what? He said, you don't have a plan B, man. You put all your eggs in one basket, and, and if it don't work, it don't work. He said, that's what I did. And then I learned more about Eddie Murphy's life. Eddie Murphy was winning contests for stand-up and impressions by the time he was 15 years old. So it was pretty much a go that oh, yeah. he was going to be somebody, not maybe Eddie Murphy, but he was going to make money being a comedian. You know, that, that was going to happen. So In his inter- little speech doesn't ring any, doesn't, doesn't do anything for me. He's, right. he's, he's an anomaly. I just saw an interview like uh, I not even a week ago with Eddie Murphy and they were talking about and he was oh it was he was talking to uh, mm-hmm. Drew Barrymore and they were talking about when they met on Saturday Night Live and she's like how he says, I was eight how old yep. are you he's like I was 19 when we met he said he knew he knew he knew he wanted to be a comedian a stand-up yep. at 10 when he saw we saw Bill Cosby do it and he's like, and he said he told yep. his mom that, and I fucking believe it because he's he's just been you know he's been in yeah, the zone for Bill Burr, four yeah. decades. It's like some people are like that. Some people <laughs> yeah. are like my dad always called them old souls because they know what they want and they instinctually know how to get there. You know, like Arnold. There's no yeah. way Arnold was supposed to be who he is, but he knew. Uh, uh, he had a venue that was a probably one out of a trillion chance to get him to where he is now. But he's like, this is the only way I can do this. So I have to put everything into this, all my eggs into bodybuilding. I got to win contests. I got to do this. 
and then I could be what I want to be. And it worked for him. Now, there are people all over this world that are, that are thinking the same thing. They ain't never going to be him. You know, he got lucky. And I, and I tell him to his face, you think you yeah. just got there through hard work, which is bullshit. You got lucky. Okay. Well, he come on. I hard didn't work, say that. I didn't say that. It, the thing I have, <laughs> the problem I have, none of them that I can think of off the top of my head have ever used the word "I got lucky." None of them. They all say, "If you work hard, you can make it." No, that's not how life works because everybody is not meant to be a star. Now, if you work hard, you'll have a hell of a lot of memories, you know, to tell your kids and grandkids, you know. But to be a superstar, well, uh. No, you're not gonna be Kevin Hart, dude. That's just not gonna happen. I, I, I know you're gonna hate to hear this, but I, <laughs> oh, I follow boom. the Rock on Instagram, and <laughs> oh, I, but, yeah, okay. I, but no, right, no, no not not that part, not that part. Um, he was, you know, he's real motivating, actually. That's yeah, why he is. I started. I give you that. He is positive, positive on his on his feeds. And, but he said he was he was doing one of his little you know one of his little speeches, and he was like, "You need to be able to do what everyone yep. else isn't willing to do. You need to work yep. hard. You need to sometimes you work for free." And he has, he, has, he said this. He said you have to do all there. those things. Okay. And get now lucky. I appreciate that because that's how it works. And you also have to have somebody willing to reach their hand down to you and go, "Come on, I'll help you." I will help you make it. And they have to pull you up. And then you have to work hard. You have to get lucky. I mean, think about it. If The Rock, let's say The Rock didn't somehow in wrestling uh, got a disfigurement in his face. You know, something hit him and he couldn't get plastic surgery to get his face right. He's not The Rock no more. <laughs> you know, because he's his, most of his success comes off his body and his mm -hmm. looks. Let's just be real. You know, because like Batista said, he's a shitty actor. You know, those, those are Batista's words, not mine. Um, and his face, his body is what's carrying him along. And his determination, his heart, and all that is pushing all of that along too. But he got really lucky that he was born Dwayne Johnson, third-generation wrestler. Pat Patterson's phone number in his back pocket when he got off that plane and went home and, and had seven bucks in his pocket that he could just call up and go, Pat, I'm ready for a tryout. And Pat's like, come on down and try out for me. He had to nail the tryout, but he still had the tryout right there. And then I usually, I always juxtapose his story with Stone Cold, who didn't have Pat Patterson. Stone Cold had to just go to wrestling school. And he had to go through eating plain potatoes. He had to go through the ringer to make it. And Stone Cold got lucky too, you know, that he, that he got injured after he became Stone Cold and not some time in you know in the indies, you know, breaking his neck. He got real lucky. Well, well, you know, and sometimes you make your own luck. And sometimes it's not always someone helping you. Sometimes it's just not being denied. I mean, look at okay, perfect example, uh Billy Bob Thornton. And no one yeah. take him seriously. He was an overweight actor, mostly did bit parts, wrote a movie mm -hmm. no one once gave a shit about. He just, he's like, fuck it, I'm going to do it myself. Made a short, you know. Sling Blade, uh, turned right? Turned it into a full-length okay. movie. And oh, I didn't know that. I didn't yeah, know. Yeah, it was a short I first. Thought... I, I, yeah, it was it was oh. a 10-minute, 15-minute movie. 
and then he he did a expanded on it because it did so well and he just made his own lane dug out his own lane i'm not a real no. fan of billy bob thornton the person but no. you cannot deny right. and his i will hustle. never he just i won't everything. deny his hustle and that's not everything. what i'm saying but what i'm saying is even in doing that he is lucky that people liked it i'm glad he did it because if he hadn't have done it, we wouldn't well, know who he is, and he wouldn't be rich and famous right now. Well, that's that's what I'm saying. Yeah. You, you make sometimes you make your own luck. You just just be a perfect example. We're no. not rich from podcasting, but for the first couple of years, I think our highest down—no, not first couple of years—that's an exaggeration. I say for the first year, I think our At highest most. download rate was like 30 people, and then yeah, mm-hmm. but then we just kept hammering away. And every single time, you know, we just even if we didn't know if anyone was listening, and more to often than not, people that I've talked to or run into or that mentioned they listened to our podcast, they all heard it. Heard like, oh, like, like my first episode I heard was this episode. You guys started talking about this. Yeah. I was like, God, that was years ago. Mm-hmm. That was like SoundCloud days. So I was like, and the only reason they were able to stumbled onto it is because we just. We're putting out all these episodes where no one would, you know, we weren't sure who was listening or if anyone was, right. but obviously people are listening now, but it's because we just, we, no one gave us any breaks. We just that made is a good our point. luck. I, 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 I agree wholeheartedly, so, you know, that we're pushing through and now what we need to hope for is someone to hear it and go, Hey, why don't we let you guys do this and we'll get you X amount of dollars to do it. Or a or a couple real sponsors or something like that, and then you know that would be great. It's kind of like this. Um, there's a story about an NBA player I heard, and I don't know how true it is. I've always doubted this story, but it encapsulates what I'm talking about. He was a high school basketball player, and he wasn't very good, but he worked on his game constantly. And whenever he practiced, he practiced like he was never going to practice again. Like this was his last jump shot, his last layup, or his mother was getting, had a gun to her head if he didn't go hard on this play by himself. And they said that uh, somebody heard him in the gym shooting and they heard the ball just keep going through the net. just choo, 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 choo. And like, what the hell? This guy hadn't missed yet. And they go in and he's just knocking down jump shots. And they, get, they offer him the one scholarship that he got out of college, out of high school. To University of Arizona. The only scholarship he got was that one. And then that allowed him to propel himself into the NBA, which again, he had to do the same thing. He was he wasn't drafted. He finally got around to playing in, in this little league. And then somebody saw him because he was practicing hard and he made it to the league and he ended up with five championships. Okay. This is Steve Kerr who played who coaches the Golden State Warriors. Uh-huh. That's the story of his success that I heard. And I told that to my dad and he said, well, here's what you got to take from that. He put it all on the line every time he was in there because you never know who's watching. You always give your best because you never know who's watching. You never know who's listening. So if you're doing something, do it to your best of your ability, because that might be your break. If it's something that you love doing, that might be your break right there. Like I screwed my break and I know it to this Mm -hmm. and I'll, I'll go to my grave regretting my decision. You know, I screwed mine. You know, I, I Ernie Kent offered me a job as an, as an assistant coach at the University of Oregon when I was 24 years old. And I told him no. And mm-hmm. I, to this day, 
I don't know why I said no. I have no idea. I'm not, I haven't delved in my psyche deep enough to figure out why I said no, but I did. And that was my big break because I was putting on a show down there as a coach. My team was ranked out of 70 teams. We were ranked 70th, no, 68. Out of 70 teams, my team finished eighth by the end of the tournament. That's how good of a coaching job I did with these kids. And everybody knew it. There were coaches from from Cal Bakersfield, Arizona, who all congratulated me on the job I was doing. The tournament director said, you're fucking up my my, my, my tournament by winning all these games, Marcel. I was like, well, your tournament's going to be fucked because I don't plan on losing anytime soon there, old man. And he was hot. (laughs) You know, and we kept winning and we finally lost (laughs) to New York Riverside Church, which is what they ended up winning the tournament. But they only beat us by like 12 points. They were beating teams by 40, 50 points. They beat us by 12. And it was my coaching job. I understood what to do. And Ernie Mm. Kent saw that and wanted me to go. And I told him no for some odd reason. I screwed myself. And I hate it. If John Carpenter, even that, if John Carpenter had said, hey, you come work for me, I would. I know you would. I would have fucking done it. I I mean, I Shit, I was just didn't love it enough to be homeless. Yeah, but I if know. I fucking had an open door like that, you I talk about making your own right luck. Well, I made through. my own bad luck. You know, I didn't. <laughs> I I did not do what I was supposed to do. I did not, sir. And I regret that to this day that I didn't take that job. You know, because I could have easily right now be making three, four, five million dollars coaching a, a D1 team and, you know, be on TV all the time and with my mouth probably getting in trouble a lot, but still I'd be on TV. Uh, oh, you, absolutely. You, you would have been me too. It wouldn't have been for ago. touching nobody. It wouldn't have been for <laughs> harassing nobody. It would have been for something I said, you know, like, like, you know, I might've used the fag word once or twice right. too many times, you know, whether it's jokingly or not, that would have got me in trouble because at the time that was one of my favorite words to use. You know, it's fag. I, I don't know why I always use that word. Can't say it now out in public, but still. Um, so I I understand, you know, the making your own luck because I made mine. I just didn't do what I was supposed to do. And and it just uh, gets to me some days, man. It just it just gets to me. But I have to look at the positive mm. side. I got I got good friends. I got a great wife. You know, I got a pretty good life right now that I'm in pain all the time. But, you know, I got I got a roof over my head. I got food in my belly. I got clothes. I got cable. I mean, I don't have all everything, but I'm all right. You know, I'm okay. And I'm not great, yeah, but yeah, I'm okay. Yeah. And you know what? That's best more than 90% of the population can say. You know, you know there are people who yeah, can't absolutely. even get a bite to eat. They're so broke. You know, there are people who are living on the street. So if I look at it from those terms, fuck, I'm killing it. You know, I'm killing it. <laughs> but, <Yeah. laughs> but when you look at it from what I could have done, yeah, I fucked up pretty big. So, and, I, and that's why I come down so hard on these well, celebrities because of my experience with that. It's like, you can work as hard as you want, but if someone doesn't recognize you, if someone doesn't help you, you're never going to get that chance to kick that door open and then get in or, or walk through that door. 
You know, I believe someone has to like at least unlock the door so you can get in. Now you may have to still kick it down, but they uh-huh. gotta take that, take those deadbolts off, you know, so that you can kick it in. But someone's gotta help you. And that's where I get annoyed when these stars and these rich people act like if you just work hard, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Well, that's fine. I get it, but I'm not gonna make it if one of y'all don't give me a helping hand. It was not gonna happen. And even then, if I'm not lucky, it ain't gonna happen. Like, let's say I'm 22 years old. They put me in the movies. I'm like Christian Slater. My mother's the biggest, um, what is it, casting director in Hollywood. And I wanna be in the movie. She's like, all right, baby, I'll put you in a movie. And I go and I jump into a movie about a skater and the movie fails. And then my movies continue to fail. I, I just didn't get lucky that people liked me, but I got in mainly because my mama got me in, but I still got in. Gleaming the Cube, no, that's Gleaming the name the of that damn was, movie. Uh, it was a... Yeah, no, I know. It, I know, it was I know, a cult classic, But that wasn't dude. the point. I was I, saying that I, if it failed. It, you know, I know it was successful, you know, but no. that's how Christian Slater became an actor because of his mom. You know, a lot of people don't know that. His mother was one of the biggest casting directors in Hollywood, and he just said, I want to be in a movie, Mom. And she was like, okay. And he got gleaming the cube. Well, it was well. It's it's you're you're really you're really uh, well. If, the, down if the what story, I how much of the story if you that's wanna... relevant did I miss? <laughs> well, he did a string of commercials okay. first to see if he could even act, and then from there it just kind of graduated. In yeah, his mom did open the door, but you're acting like. You know, I want to be a star. Okay, you're a star now. You're, okay, then I've been in the business. I, 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 years. I, I misspoke. It's, Not a star, but his. But no, no, no. But it, yeah, she got him the. But we're talking circles now because she got him in the door. Yes, but he kept the door. He kept himself in business right. by being good at what he does. So it's not. No, like, no, 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 no. That's okay, where I was going to go I was, with that. Is that you were like. The lucky part happened that someone was there to get him into the house. Now, he had to pay for the mortgage and then the lights and all that, but he was already in the house, man. I mean, he was already there. And that's 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 what I that's where I've where where my all of this all of this conversation, you know, is 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 going has been going towards is that somebody's got to give you a, a key to the house, man. And then it's on you. It's on you to make it or not make it, man. But you got to get help. You have to get a break. Well, here, put it this way. You remember Tia Carrera? Uh, Wayne's World. Tia Carrera. You know, you oh, know how yeah, she got yeah, into yeah, Hollywood? Yeah, yeah. You'll love this yeah, story. Yeah. You know how she did it? An old lady. How? She worked at a flower shop in Hawaii. An old lady saw her and said, you are really pretty. My grandson works in Hollywood. I'm going to give him, uh, I'm going to tell him about you. Give me your number and I'll give him your number and, and he'll, he'll call you and we see if we can do something for you because you're so pretty. She, she's laughed and said, whatever. A couple weeks later, he called. I don't know who he is, but he called. Flew her down to Hollywood and the rest is history. Dude, that's uh, that's like yeah. Uh, I know. I was going to use him next. Edward exactly. <laughs> he was, he he was he was surfing at surfing on the beach, 
surfing on the beach and um and nope. uh, wasn't an actor, wasn't in commercials, yep. nothing. He just had the look that Cameron wanted. Exactly. Said, Would you want to be exactly. in my movie? He said, yeah, sure. And Brandon, uh, uh, I think it was Brendan Ralph, the same thing when he got into acting. I mean, he was an actor when he got Superman, but but um, he, he was just some, some chicks, uh, some girl, some agent's friend's boyfriend who was dabbling oh, in Gibson. acting and like there you get, go. The, what was it? Um, his first movie, uh, that big one he did, uh, God, Mad Max. He got that part because he went with his friend yeah. to the audition and they thought he looked really good. And then the funny thing is Mel Gibson got into a bar fight <laughs> that next day and came back beat up and bruised when he read for his part. And they still took him. Dude, uh, Hemsworth. He was an actor, but an out-of-word actor. Uh, some studio person came to talk to talk to yep. his brother, said, hey, who's that on the couch? Oh, that's yep. my brother. Yep. That yeah, I heard that story. <laughs> I heard that story. Yeah, and that's Thor was crazy. on the couch chilling, and they came for his brother. I was like, who's that on the couch? Oh, that's my brother. Uh, we're gonna, we'll make you Thor. How about <laughs> that? Um, okay, I guess. <laughs> and those guys are blind luck. Those aren't the type of people I'm talking about. Because that's just that that is true luck. I mean, there's no way to right. there's no hard work. Oh, yeah. There's no dedication. That's just luck. You know. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. I'm literally I'm at work on the couch. or I'm surfing. Or uh some I mean, my my girlfriend's uh my girlfriend's <laughs> girlfriend's friends in the uh, movie business she wants me to do yeah a, and, it's, and i told my dad yeah, that, yeah, yeah, those he was just one of the people that said stuff. there's no such thing as luck and i told him about tia carrera and it's the only time in my life he's ever said you're right he went huh that is luck isn't it i was like think about it man what if she had called in that day huh what if what if what if edward furlong had yeah. decided you know what i'm gonna go to the movies instead of surfing or or Helmsworth had have been like, well, I think Helmsworth would have got it yep. regardless because if his brother was famous, they eventually would have seen him. Well, he's also right, an actor, but his brother makes it, and then they look at him on. and they go, "Oh, you're better looking than your brother. Let's go ahead and talk to you." So I think Helmsworth would have managed to get yeah into Hollywood regardless because he because he's he's a good looking dude. It's like Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt right. or Denzel Washington, those two guys could not be managers at Rite Aid. That's just that's just not gonna happen. You know, <laughs> I mean, you look at those two when they when they first made it big, when they were young, it's like they didn't look like normal people. You know, it's like why are you not a leading man? Right. I don't know. Maybe I should go to Hollywood. We ever see it's just one of those people that I remember one time uh uh, well, it's like that time uh, Eloise yep. and I mm -hmm. got approached by that casting agent twice. The woman, she just saw me playing with Eloise in the kid part at the uh, at the mall, and she just said she, oh, she has uh, she has that look. You know, it's just yeah, it's just like one of those people. that's like you ever see those yeah. people that are like, yeah, oh, you look I like know. somebody. <laughs> are you famous? <laughs> you just look like that's a funny like funny thing. Be. TJ and I were walking to the so, mall yeah. like years ago when I was a bodybuilder. And uh, I was just this behemoth of a man. And he was walking towards the shoe store. And I was behind him because my back was hurting a little bit. And I couldn't walk as fast as he did that day. But people started looking at him and then looking at me and then looking at him. And TJ said he heard somebody go, 
is that guy famous? Why is that big black guy? Is he a security guard? Is that guy famous? Is he famous? And I'm like, what? TJ was like, yeah, dude. Some they think that you're my bodyguard and that I'm somebody famous. I was like, well, that's just stupid. <laughs> it's like I'm I'm hurt. That's why I'm not walking next to you because I'm hurt. He's like, dude, you look like a fucking gorilla. Calm down. I was like, I'm not upset. I'm just telling you. I'm not your fucking bodyguard, okay? I don't know what these people see. Then he went and tried <laughs> on some shoes, and I stood there in front of him because I couldn't sit down. My back was just out. I could not sit. So I'm standing there with my with my, uh, with my arms crossed. I'm looking at my cheap little cell phone, you know, trying to figure out who to text and all that because I'm bored. And people are just walking slowly by looking at TJ because I kept turning around looking at him, you know. And I'm like, he's not lying. You motherfuckers! Yeah, <laughs> it was well, so yeah. funny <laughs> that they thought he was somebody because this giant black man was standing in front of him. I, I I laugh to this day when I think of that story. To this day, I find that hilarious. That's all, folks. See you next week. <laughs>